Welcome to What Am I Doing With My Life with me, your host, Alyssa Desai. Ever sit there just thinking, what am I doing with my life? Well, this is the podcast for you. Each episode will share a different woman's journey, normalize not having it all figured out, give you actionable tips and motivate you when you feel stuck, lost and overwhelmed by life. I am beyond excited to be sharing this podcast with you and I hope every conversation you listen to helps you to feel less alone. In this episode, I'm joined by Emily Valentine Paul. Emily is an influencer, talent manager with over seven years experience and more recently an influencer coach who helps aspiring influencers turn their passion into a full-time business. She regularly shares content focused on lifestyle, sexual wellness, mental health, female empowerment, as well as business guidance for content creators. And she works with brands on consultancy, campaigns, panel talks, and presenting roles. Emily recently launched her online group coaching program, the Influence Business Academy, which is designed to help content creators become highly sought out and highly paid, consistently landing four-figure dream brand partnerships, even with a small following. Thank you so much for pushing play today. I really hope you enjoy this conversation and you find it helpful. I would appreciate it so much if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It means the world to me. And if you email me a screenshot of your review, I will send you a free visualization track. Have a look at the show notes for my email and I can't wait to hear how you found it. Join me as we launch straight into Emily's journey. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I know we were just having a bit of a chat before and delving into your career, your journey, influences, everything that you kind of specialize in. And I want to get started by understanding, like, how did you get to this point and start as early as you want? Yeah, I I love talking about my journey to where I am today because it. I don't suppose it's conventional in the sense that most influencers, when they become full-time influencers, they've kind of um, really worked hard to get to a point where they feel comfortable enough to go full-time. It mm-hmm. definitely wasn't like that for me. I uh, I started at university in journalism and my mum was always telling me, Emily, you need, do you know this Soella girl? You know, you need to do what she's doing. And I was like, mum, I'm too busy going out and getting drunk. And I wish I'd listened to her, but it wasn't I love until... that your mum was giving you that advice. Oh my God, it's amazing. She's on the money. She <laughs> knows, she always listened to Mandy about trends because she knows, like she was vegan before veganism was like even a thing, I swear, <laughs> mainstream. But um, yeah, no, she was, she was nagging at me and I was like, I'm too busy being young, getting pissed, whatever. But I went into my um, corporate life after graduation, like most people do. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And I wasn't very good at it either. I was getting fired. I got um, made redundant. I was always jumping from boat to boat, mostly in advertising, marketing, that sort of thing. And then um, I finally found a job I really kind of liked. It was in fashion photography and a really like big agency, which were worldwide. And I looked after a roster of hair and makeup artists, which was amazing because I loved hair and makeup. So I kind of started like some Instagramming on the side because I had access to these PR contacts, you know, Chanel, Giorgio Armani. And like I was talking to them as an agent and they would also send me some gifts on the side sometimes say thank you for looking after the talent that they worked with. And so I started building up this collection of products and I was reviewing them on my blog and I did a little Instagram on the side and you know it started to pick up traction. And as much as I love my job, it wasn't a place like, you know, most you see in the movies like Devil Wears Wears Prada sort of thing like it was cutthroat I was underpaid I wasn't respected my boss went on maternity leave I had to look after a roster of 12 artists worldwide on my own like I was just expected to pick up the phone on a Sunday night and deal with shit you know so Mm. it was tough but um it was enjoyable because I loved doing that negotiation work you know being talking to all these major like stars in their industries and you know working with big brands um, but then one day as my blog started growing there, I there was just getting a bit of feedback and the, some of the talent was saying they thought it was a conflict of interest where I was working with beauty brands on the side with my Instagram, that sort of thing. And they just didn't really like it. I guess there was a little bit of jealousy there. This was at a point when Instagram was really just kind of exploding and there were some real power players in the mix and beauty blogging was just getting bigger and bigger. 
And as trained makeup artists, I don't think they appreciated that little old me was coming up <laughs> the back street, you know, like reviewing all my stuff online, pretending like I had a voice. I was an authority on this stuff. So one day I received a letter from my company saying I had been fired due to all sorts of made up stuff like, you know, aggravating the artist, not turning up on time, not following direction. They fabricated a ton of things, which, you know, I was 26 years old at the time and I'd been fired. I had 30 days of salary to live on. I was paying London rent. I was like, what the hell am I going to do? So in that sense, I became a full-time influencer overnight with less than 10,000 followers on Instagram because I essentially didn't have a choice. Well, there's so many things I want to pick up on in that, but just picking up on, you know, that kind of job hopping and going from one thing to another and not feeling quite fulfilled. I think so many people find themselves stuck doing that. How were you navigating that? Were you feeling okay were you was it a kind of a difficult time mm, to be honest like I always had this sense and I I, I like to think, I don't know if it's gotten less of a sense as I'm older but I really try and cling on to this that I'm always sure that things will always work out and I think it's a really positive mindset to have and I do struggle with mental health I've had depression in the past I have ADHD like it there's a lot going on for me on the day-to-day when it comes to mental health but I'm always at the core of my being, a positive person. So when I was fired, when I was um, laid off or whatever, it was always just like, okay, on to the next. Because it always came at a time when I kind of felt disengaged with the job I was doing, or I didn't really see that there was any opportunity. And then I think the underlying sense of I was meant for more than just this. So when someone showed me the door, I was almost like, well, okay, you've just done me a favor. And I guess when I was fired, although that initial dread kicked in, I still kind of adopted the same mentality. You know, maybe this was just supposed to happen. Like maybe they're just pushing me to be a full-time influencer. Okay, a lot sooner than I would have financially felt ready, but here we go. So it's just that sort of glass half full mentality, you know, just listening to my gut really and knowing that this probably happened for a reason and, you know, what's meant for me will come my way. And there always was a job like a month down the line where, you know, I was back on a full-time salary. I was going back into the office. It was still relatively in an area I wanted to work in but it wasn't filling my cup. So I guess the universe just had to officially go, no, you're out of it. You're fired. Now's your chance to do something that you actually feel like passionate about and that you can control and have complete autonomy in, which is what influencing is really, you know, you just, you make your own schedule, you decide who you work with, you choose the area you want to work in. In my case, in the beginning, it was beauty very much. I was so passionate about beauty, still am, but I do a lot more nowadays. But yeah, it's just... um. There's a lot of gut instinct and just reminding yourself if it's meant for you, it will come your way. Um, whilst, and I just want to add, because I, there's a whole thing on manifestation where, you know, people can just believe into existence something they want. I was always proactive. I've always been a very proactive individual. If I see something that I want, I just go and get it. And I do that by sending the email, getting in touch, networking, picking up the phone and speaking to someone. Like I wasn't always confident about it, but I saw the end goal and that always drove me. So it was just an innate sense of this will work out, married with action. Yeah. And I hear so much like inner belief in yourself. And I think it's just so important to come back into that feeling of like, I know I can do this. I know I'm made for more. And also trusting that feeling, you know, you said about kind of a gut instinct. I think for a lot of people, they are doing different jobs. They're not feeling fulfilled, whatever's happening. And if they truly have this belief in themselves of like, I can do more, listen to that, listen to the nudges, see the opportunities and be like, yes, I'm going to sort of go for them. And something you mentioned there was sometimes you didn't have the confidence, but you did it anyway. How did you help yourself in those moments where maybe it was picking up the phone and part of you was like, oh, I don't want to do it. And another part was like, I know what's going to be on the other side of this call, this email. Right. And I think what you said just then is really important because it's not, you know, sometimes people want something so bad and and they wonder why they can't get it. And often they think it's because I'm not confident enough. No one ever went out to get something that was just high up on their list of um, ambitions ever didn't feel that fear or felt that dread or felt the imposter syndrome about going to get something that they maybe weren't, they didn't feel they were ready for or had the experience for. Um, it's it's about feeling the fear, but but concentrating on the end goal and knowing what the result will be. If you send the email, if you pick up the phone, if you talk to that person, 
and you take a chance because it will always feel scary. And I think it's, you should be worried when it doesn't, because that's maybe you don't really want it that bad. You know, maybe you're not growing. Uh, you know, we're going to get a little, probably get into it a little bit later, but you know, I've just finished building a course called the Influencer Business Academy. It's honestly the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Like to achieve something, pour all my knowledge, my seven plus years of, you know, being an agent, being an influencer into, into one program and really hold it up and say, this is what I know. This is who I am. This, this is my collective experience. And then put it out there for people to buy and judge. Terrifying. But I wanted it so badly. I wanted it for so long. And yes, I had two years of procrastination, but I had to sit down and have serious words with myself. And actually, it was when I reverted back to my old habit of taking the action before you feel ready Mm. that actually got me to finish the course and you know put it on the market because I realized I was just sat in myself and my thoughts for too long and it wasn't until I started booking the coaches um talking hiring the TikTok strategist that I actually started taking those steps and before I knew it seven months later the course is here it is amazing isn't it and I and I so agree with you about kind of like taking that action before you're ready and the thing is no matter where you are in your journey, if you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you are going to feel some sort of fear. And I know in my journey that where I've really kind of made those leaps and built my confidence mm-hmm. is by stepping outside my comfort zone. Like when I'm in my comfort zone, yeah, I'm comfortable. Yeah, it feels really good. Like it's nice to chill there sometimes, but that's not where I'm kind of growing my confidence and pushing myself and growing my business. So mm-hmm. taking those steps, even when you feel a bit scared, yeah. and, you know, something you said in terms of when you're just saying, oh, well, I'm not confident. Like number one thing is just like basically stop saying that because the you know when people say I'm not confident they're just gonna then end up believing that and then mm-hmm. noticing all the things about oh yeah I knew I wasn't confident and this happened and that happened like we all have moments when we don't feel confident because we might be just trying to get to that next step or you know even as you said you know you've got seven years plus years experience but this was then the next thing mm-hmm. which was feeling a bit daunting We will definitely come on to that. But going back to your journey and you said, so you got fired Mm -hmm. um, and you were like, right, okay, starting my career. What happened then? Tell me a bit about that moment. So, yeah, I mean, I had this letter, which was basically a load of shit. And so my first reaction was to call my parents. You know, I'm 26 on my own in London. And they were just like, they didn't really know what to do, to be honest. They didn't have any experience of it. I mean, my parents are... I guess my dad's a boomer. So he just, you know, and worked pretty much 30 years of his career with the same company, never trading on any toes, working his way up, you know, and then retired. And I'm and like, he just, uh, having a child like me, I think a lot of millennials, you know, we go through these periods of just like, oh, depression, throwing our toys out the pram, changing careers. Like, what do we want? Who are we? You know, and for his generation, it was like, they knew who they were and they just went into the system. So they didn't really know what to do and, you know, my mum was like, maybe talk to a lawyer. I spoke to a lawyer briefly, like, do I have a case here? Unfair dismissal. And then, you know, what? it was dragging on for a few weeks. And I was like, do you know what? I actually don't care. Mm. Like, you probably did me a huge favour. And it would take me a little while, maybe a couple of months to really believe that. But I was like, what, what am I going to gain from really trying to punish this huge company for, you know, dismissing me unfairly? Like, what, what are the the learnings here what can I actually take from this that isn't just a load of paperwork and probably lawyer fees and maybe a little bit of compensation so you know I had 30 days of salary to live off because although I wasn't working they did give me a 30 pay 30 days of pay I sat down at my desk on Monday morning like I would if I was going to the office and I opened my emails and I just went through every single brand contact I had in there and I sent them an email and I told them, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I can do for you. And this is why we should work together. And, you know, there was, I sent maybe about 250 variations of that email in the first two weeks. I was fired. And then I just sat back and was like, let's see what happens. And, you know, 10, 20 people came back to me um, with positive responses. You know, let's take a chance. And like the money wasn't great in the beginning because I wasn't really earning anything from my social media. But, you know, 300 pounds here, 500 pounds there. You know, I, got, I did a few bits of work and then it, it moved on to bigger things with the people. And then we were looking at four figure fees in the thousands. And, you know, by there was this moment when I was on holiday with my family in Cuba a few months after getting fired. And I was in the running for a huge job with New Look 
They were launching their beauty brand. It was a 5,000 salary if I landed it, 5,000 pound pay. And I was just like, oh, you know, I've done everything right. You know, we've got a good uh, relationship. It was just waiting, waiting for them to say yes or no. And I remember downloading the email on some really spotty Wi-Fi in Cuba and just seeing the contract attached and seeing that I got the job. And, you know, I was just like, I've tripled my salary in a month of being freelance influencing in one job. And I, it was at that moment I sat back and I was like, okay, do you know what? I'm going to be absolutely fine. It's going to be absolutely okay. I've got this. Like if a brand like that off the back of an email will happily write me a check for five grand for one day's of work, then I'm like, I've got this. So, you know, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. But it was that moment I was just like, yeah, I'm going to be absolutely fine. Mm. And I was, I was. Exactly. And so many things you said there are interesting to me is that, you know, that comparison between like you and your dad. And I think lots of people have this who are, you know, similar ages to us who are doing careers, maybe focused on social media or influencing or whatever it is. And it's so different to what our parents are. And I know I speak to clients where, you know, their parents aren't supporting them. And I always try and, you know, explain to them that your parents are trying to keep you safe, make sure you're okay. And to them, what they know exactly as your dad did, right? He went and got into that career and then worked his way up and stayed in it for 30 years. And now next generations are just doing completely different careers, going from job to job, which was like, you know, unheard of and really Mm -hmm. frowned upon. But now actually people think it's like an okay thing to do, creating a business themselves, influencing whatever it is. And I think if if that resonates with you and you're listening to that, just remind yourself that, you know, at some point you're going to sort of open your parents or the other significant adults in your life, like eyes to a new way of working and a new career. Once exactly like you had that moment in Cuba where you were like, actually, there is a new way, a different way of working. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's not even just our parents. I think our parents, like you said, they want to keep us safe. So their instinct is to, you know, we feel fear what we don't know often. And they just, the idea of you being in a nine to five salary job means they don't have to look after you financially. They expected you to leave home. And that was, they part, you know, that was no longer their responsibility in a sense. So, you know, making money off Instagram seems absolutely wild, I suppose, to most people, Mm -hmm. older generations anyway. Mm -hmm. But on the point that you just made about people being unsupportive of a career like this, um, and I'm sure it's the same for people building businesses online as well as just trying to, you know, build influence, become an influencer. It's been a job that's been rejected for so many years. And yes, it's still in its infancy. You know, influencing's only been around maybe for like, I think we're over the the 10-year mark now. But um, yeah, probably like 15 years. Or for as long as Instagram's been around, really, you know, there was blogs before that. But people still don't understand it through all generations. You know, there's a little bit of um, confusion when I decided that I would be doing this full time. And I felt like as much as I wanted, as much as I could explain it to my peers, there was almost a little bit of resistance there. Uh, Mm. What do you mean? Like you're not going to work every day. You don't have a salary, but you're still earning 5,000 pounds from one day. Like it's almost like, what is this madness? But how can I have a piece of it myself? And why you? And why not me? You know, And, and it's, there's been a real conflict, I think, through many different generations about this job, being an influencer and making money online. And I think now we're much more accepting of it, but it's been a real push. And having done it for close to eight years now, I've met resistance at every step of the way, whether it's my partner, whether it's my best friends, you know, my parents, um, even the people I deal with in my work as an influencer, not wanting to treat me fairly, pay me the right fee for the job that I'm doing for them. It's There's resistance. And I just think, you know, it's a mix of not understanding and also maybe a little bit of jealousy, maybe a little bit of like people look inside themselves and think, why am I not doing something so daring and just liberating myself from this corporate nightmare that, you know, we see so many people these days going freelance and just wondering why they never did it before. Mm. It's, it's, and I think people are held back. Everyone's held back to an extent. So yeah, it's it's been interesting working through that, but I am seeing some real change now and some much more accepting. And how have you navigated that where you've come up against, whether it's brands or people close to you who aren't quite getting it? Maybe there's a bit of jealousy, maybe, you know, they're not understanding that. 
Well, I'm lucky in the sense that both my my sisters are influencers. I look after both of their careers as well. So I've got that. I've got some two people really close to me that really understand the work that we do, which is amazing. Not everyone will have that. Um, but when it comes to my friends, it was, you know, in the beginning, we were going to all the events together. I took them on all the press trips. You know, I was really trying to include them in my world. But, you know, guys, like, this is fun. Like, let's all benefit. Mm-hmm. And I think as they got older, we got older. Um, I don't know whether it's because they became less interested, but it's just, it's not, I don't know. It, it, there seems to be a little bit of a block. So about three years ago, I made it my priority to make friends in the influencing world, like, and expand my network from just like, you know, peers doing the same job as me that I would see at networking events to actually making some true solid friendships in these groups and I have you know two like two of my best friends are now influencers and whenever it comes to work stuff I talk to them because a lot of the time when I talk about it to my friends who are in you know regular jobs um it kind of there's a block there's a block whether it's a block because they don't get it or because they don't want to get it you know it's just not something that um always lands with them and I don't feel like I, I often get the support that I'd like when I when I vent my feelings about the the issues or the problems I go through with my work, because I think when they look through the Instagram lens, it's like, well, you get up when you want, you design your days like you want, you're making good money, you get all this free shit sent to you. Like, what have you got to complain about? But you know, at the end of the day, I'm a human being and there's issues with any job you do. So it's just been really important to have that close network around me of people that do what I do. So they they really understand and can support me when I, I need someone to lean on. Mm, it just highlights like you can choose who you share what with Mm, and knowing like okay what support do I need in this moment or like who's going to be the best person to understand what I'm going through rather than just going right I'm just going to tell everyone and then actually people are a bit like well I don't quite get it or I don't know like you know I I have to go to work eight to six or whatever it is you know and I have really long days absolutely and I think that's a real mature mindset shift that we have to go through as adults at some point that we can't get everything we need from one person or one set of friends you know when you're graduating university and you've got all these girlfriends around you're like oh my god bffs for life and all this stuff and you're going on all the annual trips to ibiza it's amazing and then you know you grow up some have babies some get married you know people move away and it's like I find adult female friendships fascinating anyway. Like I, you know, I I don't think any woman doesn't struggle, especially as she gets older and her priorities change, like people Mm. change. Um, But it's just that realization. And it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit heartbreaking, I think as well. You get to a certain age when you're like, I'm not going to get everything I I need from this one person anymore. This group of girls, you know, we're women and we have different agendas. And, um, but it's just, you know, when it happens, you go elsewhere, you, you, you find someone new, you develop a new friendship, which, you know, aligns with where you are in your life. And that's how things happen. And it's, it's kind of a bitter pill to swallow, I think, especially, um, it can be quite devastating. Like I say, like heartbreaks, not just for relationships, romantic relationships, you can be genuinely heartbroken from friendships, not being what they once were. So yeah, it's, it's been important to recognize that. And really make the moves that will benefit me and make sure I'm still getting my needs met and I think you know not enough people talk about friendships and like navigating them and all the things you've just said in terms of like growing up and it changing and people changing we talk a lot about how to navigate romantic relationships but not so much friendships I think that's really kind of interesting perspective and all links back to what you were saying in terms of your career and when you've wanted to do something you've gone after it you've taken that action and even with friendships when you're like actually I I I need something else here you've gone out and gone right okay how can I build some other friendships in you know in other areas so it's just a reminder to people because I, I I think a lot of people struggle with friendships especially as they get older and maybe they're group kind of goes off and does their own thing and isn't as close is how can you start building some different friendships and and go out and just put yourself out out there a bit more I think more people feel this about friendships than people realize if that makes sense for sure for sure I think every time I speak about it on Instagram there's a flurry of women in my inbox that are just like oh I feel this so deeply you know like 
this wasn't what it was once but yeah, yeah we just got to keep evolving and, and recognizing when our needs aren't being met and and just kind of as much as it hurts sometimes just kind of saying you know this is how it goes people change exactly and so between when you got fired and then having that contract land in your inbox when you were in Cuba how did you keep motivated were there days when you were like oh I'm not sure like what am I doing what really helped was almost the shock of being fired I didn't have sort of a massive adjustment period between getting fired and getting that first job because I was still going through the motions of waking up when my alarm was set, sitting down at the table. No, I wasn't in an office anymore. I was at my kitchen table, but I was still opening my laptop and I was putting in the hours. And I think keeping that routine really, really helped me bridge the gap between, you know, the devastation of getting fired and losing a salary to landing my first job as an influencer because if I had, you know, I could, I, I'm sure there was times when I was like, oh, I just want to crawl into bed or like turn my alarm off and not get up till 12 PM or whatever. But it was just keeping that routine intact and like using those hours to my advantage, knowing that if I was still in employment, I would be doing this exact same thing for somebody else, but now it's for me. And I, I woke up at the right time. I went to my kitchen. I did the work. I was doing 12 hour days. I was doing a little bit longer, but you know, when I'm doing something for myself, my drive is like 10 times better than when I'm doing it for someone else. So I was doing those 12 hour days and I did them. And, and I was just like, I saw the goal and it was just keeping that routine intact that really helped me stay on the straight and narrow routine for me is such a blessing. It's not something I naturally gravitate towards to, but I need it to keep me on track. Otherwise my brain is in all different directions. And I sometimes allow my emotions and overthinking and rumination to just get on the better of me. And I get off track really, really easily as a person. And I know that about myself. I don't think I knew this back then, but it was always an innate sense of like, if I want this thing, then I need to just get this done really fast. Also, I needed to pay rent next month. So that was like a really obvious thing that needed to be done. But also like for my own personal growth and gain, that routine, I just tapped back into it, stayed in that space as if I had a boss over my shoulder saying, you need to work, you need to deliver. You know, you've got a job to do. You're not going home until X, Y, Z is done. They didn't exist anymore. That was just me sitting on my shoulder. Like, Emily, you've you got to get this done. You've got your X, Y, and Z to do. You're not going to sleep until it's done. And like just keeping that routine intact really, really helped in those bridge the gap between, you know, fire, getting fired and then landing my job. And again, that routine, it goes back to that action point I said, like people want things, they desire things. They see the future where they can quite clearly visualize what it is, the who they want to be, where they want to go, but they lack the action. And it's what holds us back. And it happens to all of us. Like I'm not an action taker 100% of the time, but when I really want something or I'm in a tight position, that action is going to be there. Like it will. And it saves you because it distracts you from all of the what ifs, all of the doubts, all of the imposter syndrome, because when you're actually physically doing something, then you see the results immediately. 100%. Exactly. As you said, you know, we all sometimes get to this point of just like stuck in in action. And then sometimes the more we stay there, the more then we can go into the overthinking and then the more we stay in action and we just don't do anything. I know when I um, left my job and I was at my first week and I was like, okay, Monday, I'm going to work in bed. And I was like, yep, yeah, this is all amazing. I'm working in bed. <laughs> and then I think, I can't even remember what the time was. Maybe it wasn't even that day. Maybe it was on the Tuesday. I just like sent my my um, fiance about a million messages being like, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. And it wasn't about leaving my job. I had so many, like, you know, you spoke about that inner belief. I always had this inner belief that I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do something else. There is more to life. It's not just working a nine to five. It's not working for someone else. Like, so when I left my job, I, I still had that. Like I knew that I was doing the right thing for me. But I was like, I don't even, I felt sort of like suddenly I had all this time and I didn't know how to fill my time. And I like said all these panic messages and and his answer was like, to-do list and like set up your routine. It's just about going back to those basics. And I was like, okay, right. And then from then, you know, I just, I developed my routine in terms of what worked for me. And 
you know, I generally, exactly as you said, like wake up at a similar time every day, do the similar things every morning. Yes, I'm not super strict with myself, but it just sets up your day. And then you know, like, okay, I'm working today. Like it is a day when I'm working and keeps keeps you on track. For sure. And I think when we go into the corporate world or, or you know, the jobs we had before freelance, I don't, I don't know about you, but I was dragging my feet in. You know, I was dry and I was counting down the time for the clock to go to six so I could go out and actually start living. And, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to that when I say it. I know a lot of people on my course are these people that are just like they want the change and they hate the the hours they're putting into making someone else rich to, you know, lining someone else's pocket, fulfilling someone else's dreams and goals for their business. But when you become that freelance person, you're suddenly aware of all this time like you were and yes you can panic but like it this I found there was so much more time available to me when I became freelance like it was incredible the amount of work I could actually get done in that time and it became so apparent to me how little work I was actually doing in the office how much time was just wasted like shooting the shit with your colleagues making the trip to the corner shop to get some chocolate like what you know scrolling aimlessly scrolling now my time is so precious to me you know it, I, I and despite having all this extra time I managed to fill it and I don't even I'm still at my desk at eight and you know I you don't I don't want to promote hustle culture I'm definitely in a period of building right now so I'm having to do that extra um, time at my desk and I accept it willingly because I see the bigger picture but sometimes yeah I'm up at nine and take my dog for the walk, a walk and make a leisurely breakfast and I don't sit down to my desk until one because I know I did all that work the week before so swings and roundabouts it's just that freedom of knowing that when you sit down you're working towards your goals and not someone else's it's such a joy isn't it like the two things that I really really just loved so much I mean there's so much stuff I love but in terms of like not being in a corporate role is one like if I decide that I want to do something I just sit down and do it like I remember when I was in a corporate job it was like okay right we've got to have a meeting with this manager and then we've got to get sign off with this manager and then we've got to have another meeting and then we've got to have another meeting and then we're probably not going to do it for like another year if we even decide to do it whereas now I'm like I'm going to do this I put it out that I'm doing it today. Like that for me just makes me so like excited. And the other one was like not the um, the really kind of boring meetings, you know, when you're just sat there being like, we've spoken about this a million times. Why do we keep talking about mm, it? Mm, for sure. And for me, the office politics, like I am not good. I, do you know what? I'm not a bad person, I swear, but I did not get on with my boss ever. Like I, you know, maybe it's an issue with authority, but like I never, as someone with ADHD, I struggled to have the mask on the whole time and like toe the office line and like say the right things and like be responsive and like super sweet to my superiors. You know, I was, I was never rude ever, but the fact that I wasn't up someone's an asshole the whole time I was I was penalized for it and it's a pattern I saw in my corporate career from day one it it wasn't really apparent to me at university you know I'm not having to deal with jobs and hierarchy and all of that sort of thing so when when I first had my first job and, and suddenly like people were pulling me into meetings like Emily your attitude I'm like what what attitude like I genuinely I was floored I was floored I was just like I, I've not I've been so nice to everyone to the best of my abilities and I've got my job done at the end of the day so why am I here um mm. it was a continual pattern through my whole working life pre-influencer life um and that's also another blessing as to why like as to why I can work for myself just not having to be somebody else in my day-to-day because that for me was exhausting having to be someone else and you know people neurodiverse people it's a common thing but burnout is a common thing for us because in these societal structures like the office place the workplace you know social situations there's certain things expected of people in society and the way they talk and the way they act the way they respond even if they don't mean it there's expectation there from the opposite party And so you spend a lot of time pretending to be someone else and it is super exhausting. So that's another big bonus for me working for myself. I no longer have to wear that mask and it feels freeing, you know? Mm. And I know that's something you speak quite openly about is I believe it was kind of like a recent um, 
is it would you say diagnosis yeah it was a formal diagnosis with a psychiatrist like it was about a year ago now now you've got that has life changed like what's kind of come come off the back of that yeah do you know what weird about it is when so as you do with a lot of things in life you go down a hole on the internet and it was actually another influencer that lives locally to me who was like, I just got my diagnosis. And I was like, she was talking about all her experiences pre-diagnosis and why she went. And I was like, me, me, me. And I think a lot of people nowadays are like, oh, ADHD, it's a bandwagon. People are jumping on. It's like, well, actually, there's just so much more information available. And 75% mm. of women, I like, I need to check that fact, but it's around that 75% of women that have ADHD will never be diagnosed because there was not enough information previously um or the studies that they've done are mostly on little boys yes. and these like the symptoms that manifest are hyperactivity but then you look at women who are com- like completely different species to men in the sense that our coping mechanisms are so much better we, we mask easier we accommodate people eat more easily mm. but at a, at a result of burning out you know that's the detriment and um so yeah, I went down a rabbit hole and I was like, me, 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 me. Oh my gosh, this, this is crazy. So I quickly got myself a diagnosis and yes, I had it. And then after the diagnosis, you know, I'm still on the journey and I will be for a long time really understanding who I am, but it's answered a lot of questions for me. Case in point, never being able to hold down a job, you know, always being not very popular at the office for the sense of like my bosses never really got from me what they wanted. I mean, the work was fine, but like the attitude was never there, like that, you know, it is what it is but um yeah it's it's a journey for sure but I think it's it's revealed a lot it's answered a lot of questions for me and I think if anything I don't know whether it's my ADHD has gotten worse but I I'm less I'm making less effort to change who I am naturally now because I understand that it's okay to be the way you are naturally because you're not hurting anyone you're not being malicious Mm. so I'm just allowing it and so I'm allowing myself to just let my brain work the way it is say what it says and not feel bad about it because you carry a lot of guilt when you have ADHD as a person because you don't often do or say things that people expect and and people can penalize you for that sometimes and often you carry this guilt and you think why can't I just be a better person why can't I just say the right things why can't I do this why can't I act like them and it's it's you know it can be a lot of that self-loathing builds and so just me on this journey at the moment I've really just allowed myself to be who I am and be unapologetic about it and it's a huge relief but I'm not gonna lie my life has been way more chaotic because (laughs) I'm just like letting it flow let the crazy flow um but yeah it's it's a journey for sure one I'm still learning about yeah I'm sure and you know that it does make me smile like I know you said there's there's a lot going on but it makes me smile that like you're just not having to kind of think about life but then also think about oh hold on no should I say that or should I say that like almost like I don't know having like a mask in front of you of like oh no but this is the way we should behave and there's so many things in society of like this is the way I should behave or this is the way we Mm. should And I know it's something I'm really trying to always come back to is like, what do I want to do? Like take away what people are expecting of me or what I should do in a certain circumstance. Because the more that we ignore what we want to do if we you just end up feeling rubbish I know sometimes then we have the guilt and the whatever else comes with it but yeah I'm really trying to always come back to like what do I want to do and what is going to feel good for me even if in this one moment I might think oh that's not going to be great because of xyz like what can Mm. I do for me yeah Um, I think as women as well we tend to be much more um accommodating of other people's feelings and putting ourselves further and further down the list I know it gets worse when you become a mother like I have friends that have had children and you know they just never prioritize themselves and it's so sad to see you know most of us are guilty guilty of it um and I do look at the men in my life and I'm like hmm you just would not do that you know to a point where my partner has ADHD and I'm almost like I don't exist sometimes because he's just so himself and, you know, credit to him. I've struggled with that as a woman. And then I've struggled with that 
as a woman with ADHD. And it's just, I think for men generally, I, I see it all the time, you know, they don't, they don't make allowances a lot of the time for who they are. And it's almost like, well, I mean, it depends on the situation, obviously, but a lot of the time they know that a woman will do that for them, you know, make the allowances in a couple dynamic, I guess. It's interesting. But yeah, it, it's something that holds people back, especially women I find. Yeah. I do you know what I I so get that. And it's really interesting sometimes when you just take a step back and start to notice your behavior and your interactions with other people and what you are and aren't doing. And, you know, I even notice sometimes, and I know this is a really small thing, but sometimes I can sort of be focused on my partner of like, okay, well, you know, try and like help him. And then almost like my things go on to the bottom mm-hmm. of the list. And Absolutely. Like, like what is what in me is making me prioritize him over me because Year, decades of conditioning yeah. centuries of conditioning from our ancestors to just Literally. not not our sole job was to reproduce and make sure the men were okay so they could go out hunt and gather and earn money or whatever yeah exactly and it is so ingrained mm-hmm. and it's really like it's a process of going hold on a sec what like noticing what is happening in this situation like how do I want this situation to be different and never being mean to yourself because I think so easy it's so easy to kind of notice things that you are or aren't doing and then you know default setting is like you know become really mean to yourself and actually it never works it never works being mean to yourself just going hold on a sec what else could I do in that situation I know for me it's just been trying to become more because I think it's so unconscious you've done it before you even realize and then you're like oh no but hold on like so I'm really trying to consciously just think about it and go what do I want to do in this in this situation like okay yes I want to help but I need to make sure that I'm prioritizing what I need in this situation like helping myself making sure I'm all organized and got all my stuff sorted whatever it is before I then go it's almost like you know putting on your mask before you rush around putting on everyone else's yeah yeah on the plane situation yeah (laughs) the fact that they have to even include that it's probably for all the women who are like everyone else (laughs) no exactly I, I completely agree I found uh when I start to prioritize myself in a relationship looking after me first and foremost and then you know making sure my partner's needs are met it often ends in disappointment because they might not meet us where we we want them to because we're not paddling the boat like we're not rowing the boat right Mm. so when we're rowing the boat we're in control and it kind of gets us to the destination we want we kind of get from them what we want because we've initiated we set the scene we've given them all the options and then you know it makes it easy for some our partners to fulfill our needs or give us what we want or get the result we want from the certain scenario. But I, I've noticed that when I start focusing on myself, often things go unnoticed and it's then it comes down to expectation. When you're starting to look after yourself first, you realize there's all these expectations you have for other people when you're not like actually, you're not making those things happen and you're not, you know, encouraging, championing, facilitating your partner, then you end up thinking, oh, now I'm going without. So there was a reason why I was doing that. I was facilitating my own needs through my partner. And I just think it's fascinating because now I, you have to work through a new layer and that layer is called expectations and how to manage them and how expectations just make, if you have them too high in life, you end up disappointed, mm. especially when other people are involved. And I think that's, I've I've definitely experienced that in really relationships before, especially someone who's driven and knows what they want from my career, my life, my relationships. And when I step back and I don't get that, I realized at some point that's why I love my work so much because I can only, I only need to depend on myself for that. So my results come directly from me and it fills my cup and ticks all my boxes because I'm not having to rely on someone else. And I don't, and my expectations are not being met. So yeah. I, we've, we've definitely segued down in a relationship chat now, but it's, it's really interesting how those uh, as a person, it can be so intertwined because you have relationship, you have expectations in life, in your relationship, in your career, and then you have to manage your like who you are as well. And when you start putting yourself first, you realize how disappointing everybody else is in life. Yeah. It's devastating. Yeah. And I, I feel like I always remind myself as well as like other people aren't me, right? Because I 
sometimes I know I used to kind of fall into that thing of like, well, I would have done this in that situation. And it's like, they're not me. Like mm-hmm. if if I, like, they're not necessarily going to do what I would have done in that situation. And it's just kind of that reminder to yourself of like, they are not me. I am me. That's what I would have chosen to do. And like, I'm just going to, I need to focus on what I want to do and right. not kind of, yeah, having those Giving expectations. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So coming back, I know we've had a little um, segue onto relationships, but coming back to then your career now, tell me about now, see, you've launched this amazing group program and that was a bit of a step outside your comfort zone. Tell me about what's going on at the moment for you. Mm. Uh, Yeah, so I had an idea a few years ago after being an influencer for almost five years that I wanted something a little bit more. Being an influencer is a dream job in so many ways, but I do think that, not that there's a ceiling, but there's a point. um, And I think it's different for everyone where you maybe want something a little bit different. And, you know, it can happen in regular nine to fives as well. When you've just done something for a while and you fancy change, you've been at a company for a while, you just want to go a bit different direction. You know, we change as people and so do our wants and needs. So I've been doing the influencer thing for a while. It's been successful and managing a small roster of talent. And I just, from the beginning of doing this, I've always had people approach me for advice, whether that's because, you know, I'm very transparent about earnings and like going out and getting what I want and just really trying to help people understand what it is I do, because I think that helps them respect the craft more. And, you know, if I'm talking to them about an ad or a product that I'm promoting, then they know I'm just out to get my bag, whatever, you know, it's, it doesn't detract from who I am as an influencer because there's this huge stigma around influencers and how, you know, as soon as they start selling to you, then they're inauthentic. But at the end of the day, we need to make money. That is, we need to put a roof over our heads. We need to feed ourselves. So really that education thing has been a big part of my influencer journey. And I often have my influencer peers coming to me asking for financial advice, you know, like, how do I negotiate this fee? Am I charging too little for this? Yada, yada, yada. You know, I've got that agent background. So I'm always happy to help my close friends in the industry. And then I was like, do you know what, then how do I, how do I pivot? So I'm, I'm can almost, cause I'm always thinking about how can I monetize something? How can I monetize this experience and this information I have? And give myself a little bit of a break when it comes to showing up on social media all the time. Because, you know, after doing it for five years, you, you get to a point where you're you're a little bit exhausted. <laughs> and it's different for everyone. Everyone has different ceilings, right? So I just thought, I want to make this course. I want to put all my knowledge and expertise into a eight-week program where people who want to monetize their influence can sit down and really go through the motions of ticking off every single box that you need to do and build up in terms of your platform, your brand identity, who you are, your USP, how you want to monetize, what your goals are, and just really following a roadmap in order to achieve this. Because there's so much information on the internet a lot of it is terrible about how you become an influencer and what it looks like to actually build a career as an influencer. And that's why my program is called the Influencer Business Academy, because the end goal for every student that I take into the academy is to monetize. Because if you don't monetize your influence, you essentially have a really time-consuming hobby. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It takes a lot of time to create content. It takes a lot of time to run a social media platform. Anyone who's done it knows even keeping up with your own personal socials a lot. So if you're doing it full time and you are not making money from it, then what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like it might not be everyone's goal to monetize, but if you're doing running your social media correctly, then those opportunities are going to come your way. So I essentially help students build out their brand platforms, their influencer branding platforms to a point where they are ready to approach brands and they are ready to start working on paid campaigns. And we go a little bit, a little step further. And I also teach them how to pitch for those campaigns. And also when those campaigns land in their inbox, how to negotiate, how to advocate for themselves, how to make sure they're getting the best deal possible and being the best brand partner possible to ensure reoccurring revenue and reoccurring returning clients. Mm-hmm. It is a business. And I think a lot of people don't often see that, but it, they, we are one women businesses and you know the earning potential is huge and this, this world is constantly evolving. So I just wanted to really package it all up, put it into a roadmap and 
for anyone that wants to do that, has an ambition or a dream to work for themselves in an area that they really feel passionate about and they've got a lot to get, bring to the table and they want to know how to actually package that up and build a community who listens and cares about what they say and then earn a living from it, then it's for you. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think, you know, there's so much stuff online about like how do you build a social media following and how do you put yourself out there, which is really great. But you're actually teaching people the business side, which I think so many people forget. And even like being a coach, I think, you know, I speak to people who are thinking, oh, I really want to be a coach. And, you know, amazing. That's really great. But a lot of people think, okay, well, that's just helping people. And it's like, if you want to do it for yourself, there's going to be marketing, there's going to be building your brand, there's going to be looking at different income streams and negotiating and all that sort of stuff too. And it's like, you know, seeing it as a business and not just as a, um, you know, you just putting yourself out there, which is obviously a huge part of it too. How has it been since you launched it? Yeah. So I worked with coaches in order to get this off the ground because I know myself, I know my limitations and I know I needed that accountability. So I booked a coach. Coaches, it was life-changing. I really dragged my feet around this because coaches can be an investment. Mm -hmm. Just like a course can be an investment. You know, all of my students, they have made an investment in their future, just like I made an investment in my future when I booked my business coach. Mm -hmm. And it was really, they really helped give me that structure in order to build it. But what we did was quite scary. And apparently it's what everyone does when they build a course. You, You create the marketing first, you sell it, and then you build it as you give it. And I was like, are you crazy? Like that just made me like, so like just shiver and fear because I guess at that point I didn't I was at a point where I thought about this for two years and I hadn't really done anything about Mm. it and my like the trust I had in myself was on the floor you know and if I was taking money from people before it was built I was like oh my god but actually it made me so accountable yeah you know I have worked my butt off since February since the day we launched to make sure that I'm getting those modules out and you know hearing the feedback from the students and they've been really vocal which I I appreciate so much but overwhelmingly it's been so positive um we've made some adjustments as we've gone along because it's important when you you launch a course like this you're listening to your students and you're really taking the feedback on board so you can perfect your product for the next people but everyone that joins always gets the content for life so any updates they'll get them as well it's been an absolute joy working with my students I didn't think I was a teacher or a coach as such but I have kind of grown into the role and the it's so rewarding it's really really rewarding and when we've got an amazing community in slack and when I get that feedback in the weekly wins channel of oh I just landed my first brand deal or I negotiated this or I've just hit my 5,000 follower mark it's just amazing to hear so I'm really really happy with the feedback and I know I've got something good I know I've got something you know I did it's not like I doubted myself it's just I didn't know if people would I would have the chance to show people how good it was Mm. but I've managed to do that and I've got 44 students and they are, you know, they're all at different levels, but we're seeing some great results and the results will continue because, you know, you can't build an influence business overnight, but a lot of them are already monetizing. And, you know, I'm just waiting for, you know, six months down the line, nine months down the line, when I get that DM and they're like, I've just landed my first brand deal. You know, it's, it's, I got so much more than I would have expected because I used your templates, your pitch templates, your negotiation tactics. And it's just, it's been amazing. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's been so rewarding. And I just keep my eye on the prize, you know, a year from now where it could potentially be for me. And what my life will look like then. That's so exciting. I hope you feel so proud of yourself when you take it in a moment to kind of like celebrate and take it all in. Yes, there have been champagne bottles drunk. Um, I Good. do definitely try and celebrate myself as much as possible. It's something that I tell all my students to do. So it would be entirely hypocritical of me if I wasn't doing that myself. Um, I've learned to do that because also when you work for yourself, if you do not celebrate yourself, nobody else will. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm so with you on that. And I will just say that I've been part of the Influence Business Academy. That's the the first mm-hmm. kind of round. And it's it's honestly, I feel like I've taken on so much of your wealth of knowledge and just having it all in one place. And for me, it's really about how do I take my my 
business, which is effectively me, my brand to the next level. So yeah, I I can highly, highly recommend it. It's been so, so helpful. It's amazing to hear you are, you're doing really well. You're really on top of all the module works. A star student. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I, you were talking earlier about how before we start the call that you you ne- didn't necessarily want to move into the influencer space. It was more about redefining your business and how to monetize your business more and exactly. how much you found it helpful in that respect. Because today we are seeing this huge shift happening in the influencer industry where it's not just about influencers being influencers. It's about people with real jobs and skills and expertise in areas like for you, for example, coaching and hypnotherapy and actually teaching your audiences and your potential future clients who you are. So um, you're able to earn more money just by being present, showing your presence online and really knowing how to um, put yourself forward and your brand forward. So people really get a good understanding of who you are before they purchase your services. Exactly. Exactly. Because ultimately they're looking at me or whoever's looking at me going, is Alyssa someone I want to work work with? And being a coach, being a hypnotherapist, it's so one-on-one. You really want to get to know that person to think, is that someone I could talk to? Is that someone who I would gel with, who I could share things with? And I guess on that point, who is the Influencer Business Academy for? Well, it's such a, it's such a, a joy to hear that someone who's not necessarily my target audience is benefiting so much from the course. That's amazing. And I think you're on the money in the sense that by putting yourself as a personality out there online as the forefront of your business is going to be so beneficial for you. Uh, But the influencer course was essentially designed for women who want to monetize their social media. So if you have been dabbling in content creation, you know, you really enjoy the space and you've had a little bit of interest from brands, not even to the point where um, people are offering you money. It could just be, you know, gifting opportunities or not even there just yet, but your content is at a place where you really feel like, okay, I enjoy doing this. I can take a decent picture and I've got something to say. If you can say yes to all those things, then and you want to monetize that, then the course will work for you because it will really take where you are now and meet you at that point and just make sure it will finesse everything that you already have and everything that you can already do and then plug the gaps that you haven't thought about. All of that business angle, all of that brand identity, really getting um, intimate with who you want to speak to in your audience, what kind of community you want to build, how you want to make people feel when they come online because people don't realize the content doesn't help you monetize. It's your ability to build a community. It's how you influence people. It's the fact that people trust you enough for you to buy what you you talk about, to buy into your life, to buy into your thoughts, and also to buy into the products that you're advertising as well through your sponsorship deals, because obviously that's how you monetize. But yeah. That, that's who it's for. If you if you love content, if you love the social media space, you've got something to say and you want to monetize it, then the IBA will work for you. Perfect. I will also pop into the show notes the link for the wait list because I think you're mm-hmm. launching um, a bit later in summer, right? Yes, we're having our second intake this summer. So enrollment will open soon and there will be a discount for anyone who's on the wait list. So if you are interested in hearing more, definitely sign up because you'll get, you'll get a little discount for joining. Fab, I will pop that in the show notes. Last okay. question for you, and then I will let you go on and enjoy your day. If someone's watching this, if they're feeling a bit stuck right now, if they're thinking, just what am I doing with my life? What three bits of advice would you give them? I guess, what would I tell myself? So I think first, when you're feeling slightly like, things aren't going your way or you're stuck or you're not really, your life isn't going in the direction you want, then I think it's really important to accept, accept where you are in that moment in time. Because I think a lot of the time we can push these sort of thoughts away under the rug, turn a blind eye, throw ourselves into a party lifestyle, open another bottle of wine. If you can truly accept that you're not happy, then that's going to be the first point that you need to address in order to move to the next point, which I would say is taking affirmative action. We've spoken about it a lot in this podcast. That is what gets 99% of people out of a rut by actually taking steps. And it's not huge steps like, you know, it doesn't need to be a big thing. It can be a tiny little thing, but as long as you can take a small step every single day, that will compound into change and action will ultimately 
move you in the direction you want to go. It might not be the rate that you want, but you can speed that up as long as you're getting further away from where you are at the moment. And those tiny steps every single day, they compound into results. And I tell this to all my students as well. It might feel really small, just picking your niche or changing your bio, but those steps they shape your life and they change where you are right now into the person that you want to become. So that would be my second point, action, take action, no matter how small, take it every day, as long as you're taking one small action every single day to where you want to go. And then thirdly, get really aware of that inner monologue, because this is what sabotaged me time and time again. I am not naturally a nice person to myself. I am my own worst critic. Every therapist I've always said, that's not a very nice thing to say about you, Emily, blah, 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 blah. So just become really aware of what what it is you're telling yourself and stop yourself when you hear it to be anything less than, you know, positive, because we all fuck up. We all make mistakes. And we are all our own worst critic, Mm -hmm. but it's becoming aware of those voices uh, and challenging them or changing the narrative that can really swap your mindset out from one of, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not moving. I'll always be stuck here to actually, it's not that bad. If I just do one little thing today then and celebrate that, then actually I've accomplished something and I'm doing a good thing and I'm moving closer towards my goal. So those would be my three tips in a rather long-winded, long-winded oh, honestly, way. I love those. I feel like I could talk to you for like hours and pick up on so many other things from that, but I will let you go. Thank you oh, so much. It has been the biggest joy to talk to you today. And I hope everyone's enjoyed this episode. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I hope you found listening to Emily and I's conversation helpful. I would appreciate it so much if you could take a minute to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Remember, send me a screenshot of your review and I will send you a free visualisation track. See you at the next episode and remember, you are not alone.